Welcome to Sabbath School, brought to you by It Is Written. We're glad that you could join us again this week as we continue our journey through God's mission, my mission. And we are looking today at week number three, God's Call to Mission, an exciting study which will begin right after prayer. Let's pray. Father, thank you for being with us today and giving us an opportunity to learn more about how we can be involved in the mission of sharing the gospel with others. We ask that you'll bless our time together today, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're grateful this week to have Greg Witsit with us. He is the planning director at Adventist Mission. Greg, welcome. Thank you. So Glad tell us a, a little bit about this. What is it to be the planning director at Adventist Mission? What's kind of your background that's brought you to where you are and what you're doing right now? Well, my wife and I enjoyed 16 years of mission service in Southeast Asia. In the last five years, we've been working at the General Conference. Uh, right now, as planning director, the, the great thing I enjoy is that I actually am able to partner with the Adventist mission directors in the divisions and the attached unions to the General Conference and support them with funding, but also in any other ways, training and, and different resources and that sort of thing. And so you're bringing that to, to all of us so that we can figure out how we can be more effective in, in the mission fields wherever we happen to be, and we're grateful for that. So this week we're looking at God's call to mission. Now, it would be a, it would be a natural assumption for us to, to say, oh, God's call to mission, Matthew 28. Mm. Let's go to the Great Commission and just find out all about it. But in, in this lesson, you didn't jump straight to Matthew 28. You went somewhere else. Tell us where you went and why you went there. Well, yeah, we go to, actually, the Tower of Babel. In, naturally. <laughs> naturally. <laughs> in Genesis chapter 11. And the reason for that is a couple of things. One, 70% of the Bible is story. And so we find a lot of meaning in story. But second of all, um, this is where we have the dilemma of the languages being confused and how is God going to resolve this? Because that's the barrier. You know, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is to help us overcome the barrier of languages. So it just seemed like a good place to begin. All right. So we're starting here in the Tower of Babel. Give us a little picture of what's going on. Well, absolutely. Why don't we actually turn there uh, to Genesis chapter 11, and uh, we'll look at a few verses. Sure. And beginning in verse 1, it says, Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. Wouldn't that be nice today? Uh, Google Translate helps us, but it's, I, I enjoyed a, a ride once across Moscow talking with a taxi driver using Google Translate. It worked quite well, but we know that often it doesn't. The, the languages, of course, are not one language anymore, but at this time of Earth's history, it was. And in verse 2, and it came to pass, as they journeyed from the east, that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. And so then they begins to describe this process, what they're doing. And the reason is in verse 4, Let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. And so we see that they, they had an intentionality that they wanted to make a name for themselves because they didn't want to be scattered and the, the, the thought comes to my mind, well, why in the world <laughs> are they afraid of being scattered? You know, a lot of times we tell the story that they were afraid of the flood. You know, maybe the flood would come back, and I think there's some truth to that. But what's explicitly stated here is, is that they didn't want to be scattered. Well, we know that this is a concern because this is based on the story of the flood. In Genesis chapter 9, 
in verse 1, uh, God actually blesses Noah and his sons. And he says, this is, of course, after they come out of the ark and they've had the, the sacrifice and the, 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 the rainbow and different things like that happen. So God tells them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Which, when we read that, we should be thinking, of course, what God's blessing was in Genesis when he created Adam and Eve, that they were to multiply and, and fill the whole earth. Right. So it seems that God's blessing is that he wants us to spread out. That, and, and that is a blessing. And so what we see in Genesis chapter 11 is they're saying, we don't want to do this. Even though they have all this history that's fresh in their minds, they still, they don't want to follow this command meant to be a blessing to spread out. And so they stay to make a name for themselves and to stay together. And so, of course, God needed to do something to help them avoid because, in fact, this is a revolt happening. And I've often asked people, is this, is God, well, let's read the verse first before we get ahead of ourselves. Would you read verse 8 and 9? Sure. Verse 8 says, So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they ceased building the city. Therefore, its name is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. So they didn't want to be scattered, Ah. and God ultimately scattered them. Yeah. Interesting. So what they're doing is that they're trying to obstruct from God's plan of how he wants to bless the human race. And they were beginning a revolt, and God said, okay, I'm going to confuse the languages, not as a way to curse them, but as a way to ensure that the blessing will come. So this is less about God cursing the human race about more of God trying to bless them despite the fact that they apparently didn't want that blessing. Yeah. So very, very interesting. So next we're going to to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis 11 talks about the the building of the Tower of Babel and the confusing of the languages and the scattering of uh, of people. We get to Genesis chapter 12 and we pick up the story now with God calling uh, Abraham. And we're going to look more at that next week. But we want to start looking at the story of Abraham this week. Uh, what's the significance of, of going right here to, to chapter 12? Chronologically, that's the case, certainly. But what's, what do you think the message is that God's trying to get across to us here? Well, what's, what's interesting that we need to kind of think about for a second is that no sooner had God confused the languages that God calls a missionary. Isn't that interesting? So the challenge we have today to go to every nation, kindred, tongue, and people is actually a call that began as soon as the languages were confused. And so let's actually look at verses uh, 1 through 3 there in chapter 12. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And I think that's really important to notice there because that word family could also mean tribe or, or people. It's not just the nuclear family of uh, mom and dad and, and the kids, right? So the idea was is that now that we have these different languages, people are going to be broken up into tribes, into people groups. And God intends, even here, that all of these different groups are going to be reached um, because he knows that they're going to forget him. And, and what his plan is to redeem this world from the curse of sin that leads to death. 
And here we are looking at the world today, and we can see all of these tribes and people groups and, and families spread mm. over all the earth, and, and a lot of uh, confused languages. You know, it's it's, it's right. difficult for us to to reach across. Not impossible, no. but more difficult for us to to reach across those uh, borders or those obstacles, as it were. As as we look at Genesis chapter twelve here, what are a couple of uh, a couple of takeaways that we can that we can learn from this story that we're looking at here in Genesis twelve about Abram. You know, immediately Abram obeys and he goes, and it's a beautiful story. But um, as 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 we read further into chapter twelve, we find he runs into trouble almost immediately. It's a sad situation. I remember as a child, I was reading through the Bible. Uh, while I was in elementary school, and I'd get to this, and I'd say, what in the world? You know, people forget so quick. Why is this happening? I thought, I'm never going to be like that. But we all know. And I've been a missionary, like I mentioned earlier, 16 years we were overseas, and, and I find myself making mistakes as well. So this, this actually has some encouragement for those of us who've lived long enough to have made some mistakes. Um, it's the story of Abram in Egypt. In verse 10, there's a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to dwell there. For the famine was severe in the land. Now, the problem was, of course, is that he had a beautiful wife. <laughs> and it's a very odd uh, solution he comes up with. In verse 12, it says, Therefore it will happen when the Egyptians see you, talking to his wife, they will say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will let you live. Please say you are my sister, that it may be well with me for your sake, that I may live because of you. And so that's the plot. And it's a horrible plan, of course. And uh, sure enough, uh, apparently Pharaoh's servants were very keen on the fact that he wanted beautiful women. And they saw that Sarah was uh, just that. And so everything plays according to the plan that, that, that uh, Abram had suggested. Some missionary he's being, right? He's, he's being taken to, <laughs> to Egypt to be a missionary. And here he is worried more about himself and his own survival and forgetting about his wife's safety, obviously. And, and then, thankfully, God comes to the rescue and sends a plague. What a blessing. You know, you would never think a plague could be a blessing, but this, of course, was an excellent blessing, an answer to Sarah's prayers, I'm sure. In verse 18, Pharaoh calls Abram and says, What have you done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Because, of course, of the plague. And why did you say she's my sister? And then this is the, the, the incredible irony of this whole thing. Here's what, what Pharaoh says to the missionary, Abraham. Now, therefore, here's your wife. Take her and go your way. So Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. That's an interesting picture of a missionary. <laughs> Not exactly what we would uh, exhibit A for, for doing everything the right way. It's, it's incredible. And what I find... Encouraging, though, like I said, as a missionary who've made my mistakes, I remember the first time I gave a gospel presentation to a Buddhist monk. He came to me asking, I want to know uh, about Christmas. I said, okay, well, I'll be happy to share. And I began, I said, well, where should I begin? You know, if I just talk about the birth story, he's not going to understand the significance. So I started back in creation and the fall and going along, and then I get to the birth story. I kind of skipped a bit to get to the point. Um, but, the, but the young man who was this uh, Buddhist monk, he was kind of chuckling in embarrassment because he could tell I had turned into you know, a, a person of conviction. And I was trying to encourage him to be like me, a, a disciple of Christ. And 
And uh, by the time I was done, of course, I had to go to the cross, I had to do the whole thing. And by the time I was done, I knew it was a mess, that he didn't understand the, the importance of what I was saying. Um, it didn't ring any bells. And um, to this day, unfortunately, I still have contact with him, but he's had no interest in, in the gospel since then. And I think, you know, if I'd approached that differently, maybe that story could have been different. But here we have Abraham, who made a big mistake. God still uses him. And it's such encouragement to those of us who are fear that we will make mistakes. So a story that shows shortcomings. Mm. And, and all of us have experienced shortcomings. And, and if we haven't, which we probably have, mm-hmm. but if we haven't, we will see them soon enough. That's right. Uh, but there is hope for us. We're looking this week at God's call to mission. And if you are feeling that perhaps God is calling you to mission in some way, shape, or form, it may not be on the other side of the, of the earth, but maybe it's a little bit closer to home, you want some more resources, some, uh, some more guidance in that, I want to encourage you to pick up the companion book to this quarter's Sabbath School lesson. It is called God's Mission, My Mission. You can find it at itiswritten.shop. Again, that's at itiswritten.shop, God's Mission, My Mission, a wonderful, wonderful resource that will help you to gain more out of this quarter's Sabbath School study. We're going to come right back here in just a moment as we continue taking a look at God's call to mission. We'll see you back in just a moment. There might be days when you just can't seem to find the energy to take on life's challenges. Moments or maybe days or weeks where basic tasks can feel overwhelming. Times when you feel as though your heart and mind are trapped in a fog. Countless people all around the world are dealing with the weight of depression. Most people will experience depression, either firsthand or in the lives of friends or family members. There's hardly a person on earth who hasn't in some way been touched by its weight. That's why I sat down with a mental health expert to discuss this vitally important subject. Join me and Dr. Neil Nedley as together we explore what actually works in helping battle depression, its root causes and its symptoms. Don't miss the helpful and practical information in this series, proven to benefit physical, mental and emotional health. Clearing the Fog, available now on It Is Written TV. Welcome back to Sabbath School, brought to you by It Is Written. We're continuing taking a look at God's call to mission. And Greg, the story that, as we're working through this quarter's lesson, it kind of jumps forward. Mm-hmm. We looked at Abram, we've looked at the, the Tower of Babel, or Tower of Babel and, and Abram, and now we're going to jump all the way over into the New Testament and, and jump to the book of Acts. Why is this so important for us to understand? What, what do we find here? Well, what we what we left off with was here's Abraham, Abram at that point, no children yet, but he's he's accepting this call to mission to be a blessing to all the families, to all the all the tribes or all the people groups of the world as the after the languages were scattered. So, this important theme that we're trying to get at in this lesson is our calling, and and we want to see how does this play out as we get into the New Testament because we know, of course that Israel struggled with this calling, this mission, to be a blessing to all the peoples. And they started to see themselves as, as kind of a privileged people, God's people, and actually held themselves aloof um, with the rest of, of the people. So we want to look at this in the New Testament and see how it unfolds. So you, you take us here to Acts chapter 8. What's going on in Acts chapter 8? 
Well, in Acts chapter 8, it starts off with a picture of Saul, who later becomes Paul, the great missionary to the Gentiles. But in the first verse, we have this, this very difficult picture where it says in Acts 8 verse 1, Now Saul was consenting to his death. At the time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea, Samaria, except the apostles. So they're starting to scatter. And what I want to point out, though, with this verse is, again, this word scatter. You just catch that? <laughs> we, that's exactly what God wanted Adam and Eve to do, with, to multiply and fill the earth, knowing his sons to do as, as they needed to, again, populate the earth. And the Tower of Babel was an approach, a revolt to not do that. Well, this is what's happening here again. But it's, in this case, we see it's persecution. The, the persecution is spreading them out. Um, if we can go to ver- chapter 1, of course, we have that command, the instructions that Jesus gave the apostles. And it reads, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So again, that outward focus. It's the spreading, the spreading again. Exactly. So, so this, as I mentioned already, this is, this is the theme of the entire Bible. The Bible is a really a missionary text. <laughs> this is God's way of not only revealing himself, but also the instructions he's given to those who follow him of, of his goal to, to reach out to all people. But what we find, of course, as, as the history of Israel unfolds, is that the temple is built. And remember when Solomon was dedicating that temple in 1 Kings chapter 8, in his dedicatory prayer, he prayed about when the foreigners come and when they pray, that God would, you would hear that prayer. Uh, but let's look at Isaiah, because there we have the famous verse that we're all familiar with about the significance of, of the temple. It's Isaiah 56, and I'd like to start in in uh, verse 6, uh, read verse 6 and 7. Would you read that? Sure. This is Isaiah 56, starting in verse 6. It says, Also the sons of the foreigner who join themselves to the Lord to serve him and to love the name of his Lord, to be his servants, everyone who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and holds fast my covenant, even them I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. Ah, uh, see there? That house of prayer for all nations. But at the same time that, that this was the ideal, we know that they isolated themselves. They, they had prejudice towards the foreigner. They saw the foreigner as an enemy, not as someone to love and to win to become disciples of Jehovah. Of course, that problem is talked about. Jeremiah is the one who calls, and later Jesus quotes Jeremiah 7, verse 11, about the temple becoming a den of robbers. Um, and that prophecy that, that the Messiah would clean it out, which is exactly what happened in Matthew 21, where the market was just set up in the, in the outer court. And the foreigners, that was a place where they would come and where they would worship. Of course, they're not able uh, to do that. Um, so clearly... The children of Israel lost sight of their mission, but I want to come back to Acts now because, again, we're trying to say, okay, now that Christ has come and he's reorienting their hearts towards mission, he's showing that that this is the case, 
But in Acts chapter 11, verse 19, it says, Now those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. Isn't that something? And what's interesting is that the verse just before it, in verse 18, when Peter came back, you know, the Holy Spirit had been poured out on Cornelius. He was the centurion who was over the Italian regiment in Caesarea Maritime, which is actually where Pontius Pilate's uh, base was at. Uh, So here his, I'm a wonder, maybe Cornelius was even the chief bodyguard uh, for Pontius Pilate. And here he's receiving Christ as his Savior. The Holy Spirit is being poured out upon him and his household. They're speaking in tongues. And Peter realizes, oh, God's showing no partiality here. And he comes back with the report. Everybody's up. Uh, What's going on, Peter? What are you doing? And he says in verse 18, uh, well, their conclusion after he hears the report of what God has done, when they heard these things, they became silent and they glorified God saying, then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. So they're really struggling with this because on one hand, it's clear God is not showing partiality. He's granting them repentance. They're part of the mission focus, but they're going only to the Jews. And uh, this is is ironic, and I think it's often descriptive of what is so natural to us. Perhaps we probably do this today, too. (laughs) It it seems like the the easy route, Mm -hmm. as it were. Um, So what do we do about this as believers and and as a people who are called to participate in this mission that that God has for us? What 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 do we take away from this? You know, I think there's two important lessons to learn, and actually there are two problems that we face. One is that we, we naturally want to do mission in our comfort zone, you know, uh, where it's easiest for us. Um, people who we can speak their language, people who are like us, their culture is similar to us, the people who are most easily able to understand and resonate with what we're sharing with them. Uh, for example, it might be easier for us to, to share Christ with someone who is suffering than someone who seems to be increasing goods and in need of nothing. But God doesn't say, just focus on those who are easy to reach. You know, we need to reach on the other. So we often focus on the areas that are the most comfortable, the easiest for us. But the other one is that we often think that mission service is only overseas, that those are the real missionaries, that I need to go somewhere. So I'm not really that person, so maybe all these instructions don't involve me <laughs> because I'm not there, or I, or I must go over there. Um, but that verse we read in, in, in chapter 1 of Acts, verse 8, you know, they were to start in Jerusalem, and then Judea and Samaria, then all, all the world. And I think the important lesson here is reflected in when, when Christ said in Luke chapter 16, verse 10, whoever is faithful in the very little will also be faithful in much. And so the idea of the talents being given, right, and being faithful in those things. So I think that our mission field is around us. But our mission field around us should not just be in our comfort zones because there's a lot of people around us who probably are from other backgrounds than our own, whether that's a different religious background, whether it's uh, different ethnic groups and that sort of thing. But we should begin where we're at and then, and then move on. So you have had a wealth of experience in reaching people on the other side of the world in di- different cultural contexts. You've also had a fair bit of experience here at home mm. uh, in, in reaching out to people. If there was somebody who was watching today's program and, and saying to themselves, I'm feeling called 
I want to answer that call, but I'm not quite sure what that looks like practically for me where I am right now. What advice, what recommendations would you give that person to to step forward and to answer that call? Good question. Um, you know, if a person is feeling this dilemma of what, what should I do, that's a sign itself that God is working on your heart because that dilemma means God is here. <laughs> you know, this is an opportunity. And the first thing is that the, the call is always in the need. Are there unreached out there? Are there unreached in your community? Well, if that's the case, then just the principles of Scripture can teach us a lot. That, and we need to just simply accept the call. But second of all, we need to pray that God will actually um, help us to hear his voice. To recognize the voice of God is actually one of the most challenging disciplines because how do you know it's God's voice and not your idea? Or worse yet, a temptation. Um, of course, if it's based on Scripture, that's a good place to start. But, but I often say that mission work should be done by faith just as much as uh, uh, following Christ and um, justification and sanctification. All these things are done by faith. So witnessing should be done by faith which means that I need to be in tune with God's voice so I can sense that and follow him. I'd like to share a, a, a short story, though. After 16 years working in Southeast Asia, uh, we came back to the States. We settled in Maryland. And I was like, I, you know, this is my own language. There's a lot of people I can reach, but where do I begin and how do I reach out? And so I was praying about that. And it was during the pandemic, uh, you know, isolation for about a year. I said, you know what? I think a great place to start would be to have some kind of a block party during the holidays. And so we talked to a number of neighbors who said, yeah, we'll help. We'll do it outside. We'll set up a canopy out by the road and, and have some refreshments and packages and things so we can stay clean and not cross-contaminate our germs or what have you. But we did this, and our, our community loved it. But, you know, nothing became of that. Um, so we just keep praying. Well, the next thing is we, with our church, our pastor appealed to us all to start connect groups where we could have these groups that we would encourage each other, like Hebrews says, you know, that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, but to encourage uh, and, and to support each other, and to stir up love and good works, right? So we did that, and the result of that was we've had several baptisms over the last couple of years. Um, some who lived uh, far away, some who join us on Zoom from, you know, from a distance and others who are right there with us. So what I'm trying to say is, is that the best place to start is just to do what you can. And because some of the people that we shared what we were doing at the block party said, hey, let's do something else. And so we just kind of it evolved. And I think that sometimes God wants us just to take those steps. We must remember that God provides the increase. Paul planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So we just need to be faithful, and the, the results are really up to God. Step forward in faith. See what God does with it. Remember, we're, we're not the ones who are in control. Uh, very powerful. We hope that you've enjoyed today's lesson, God's call to mission. And if God is calling you, which it sounds like he probably is, step forward in faith and see what he can do in you and through you. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. And we will see you again next week here on Sabbath School, brought to you by It Is Written.